horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope it's going to be a very good show. Uh, scheduled to be on with us is Senator Damon Thayer from Kentucky, and uh, we're trying to get a hold of uh, Senator Thayer. It'll be very interesting to see what's going to uh, happen down there in Kentucky, especially since now he's been made Speaker of the House down there. Of course, Damon is a very uh, storied past in, in racing. I knew him when he was an intern at Thistledown Racetrack, but believe it or not. Uh, since then, he went on to work at Turfway Park and with the, uh, the Breeders' Cup. And uh, hopefully we can get a hold of uh, Senator Thayer. And uh, also with us from the Daily Racing Forum, John McDoolan. John, I know, uh, is uh, very much up on what's happening in the racing world because uh, he's had a little time off. John had a little surgery, and uh, he's been laid up a little bit, so he's had a lot of time to to read a lot about thoroughbred racing, and he's going to help us with the handicapping portion of the show. Uh, we've got two top races out at uh, Betfair Hollywood Park, as they call it. Uh, then we're going to go to the fairgrounds, and we'll uh, finish up at Gulfstream Park. Hopefully we'll be able to give you a few winners uh, from that. Uh, some uh, news that's uh, come out this week is... Uh, Dale Romans was honored with the Big Sport of Turfdom. Uh, this is an award I was involved in several years as president of the Turf Publicist of America. And he wasn't even sure quite what the trophy was. And then he said he talked to Larry Jones, who got it last year. And he said, Larry said, of all the trophies he has, this is the one he is most displayed and most proud of. Uh, this uh, award goes to an individual in racing that has worked the most with uh, the different track publicists and, and writers and television people. Of course, uh, Romans made himself very much available, and he had reason to. He had the uh, Breeders' Cup turf winner, Little Mike, uh, and he did with the media uh, throughout the year and uh, just uh, was, uh, was fantastic and always made himself available after his big wins. And, of course, he uh, has a farm in Kentucky, a member of the board of directors, and very deserving of the, of the win. And while out there in Tucson, Arizona, uh, the Turf Publicists of America has uh, announced a new president, and that is Mandy Menger of the Daily Racing Forum. She'll be the president now for two years, uh, taking the place of uh, Bill Knopf, uh, who of Monmouth Park fame. And uh, at the same time, it's announced that Sophia Mangley of Emerald Downs and Jim Mulvihill of the Fairgrounds Racecourse and Casino were each elected as vice presidents for the first time, and they'll get a two-year term. So congratulations uh, to my friends uh, Mandy Menger, who also, of course, is the uh, one of the top uh, publicists uh, um, managing people of the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, there's a chance, you know, Horse of the Year is coming up. We don't all get a vote in it, uh, but you do have a vote in the Vox Populi. And the Vox Populi started up by Penny Shannery of Secretariat.com. Uh, she put a list of horses out there, and the public reacted, and and said, hey, I think you might be leaving off a couple good horses that could be uh, voted this. It's a it's a, a vote 
of you, the fan, horses that really excited you during the year. Last year, it was great to see Rapid Redo uh, get the vote. And uh, so uh, Painter, Haskell Stakes winner, uh, has been uh, added to it. And uh, Shackelford, uh, the Met Mile winner who uh, went out on top, winning over $1.1 million. Uh, in there. So, uh, they have been added to a list that includes, uh, Frankel, who's just since been exceptionally exciting and added a lot to the sport over in Europe. And then, of course, you have, uh, uh, Derby and Preakness winner. I'll have another, uh, the outstanding mayor, Royal Delta. And then the, uh, exciting two-year-old Shanghai Bobby. And, uh, Wise Dan, who's, uh, good could win on just about anything, uh, including broken glass. So um, secretariat.com, if you want to get in on the voting of Vox Populi. So uh, let's take also a look at uh, some things that have happened with the graded stakes changes. Uh, the list has come out with the graded stakes, and it uh, looks like they've made some Good changes there. The committee announced 12 upgrades and 16 downgrades uh, this year. Of course, uh, the, the one that was most widely uh, spoken about was the fact that the hopeful stakes at Saratoga was reduced to a grade two. And uh, the, the good thing is that uh, they reversed it and rightfully so, and they did it rather quickly. Uh, it's just amazing some of the horses, uh, you know, that, that have come out of this this race. I mean, uh, you know, you're talking, if you really want to go back in history and talk about the whole pool, uh, then we go back to a little horse that won it in 1919 by the name of Man of War. Uh, but it, 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 it held its own throughout the years as being a race that really stamped great two-year-olds like uh, Bimlek in uh, a whirl away in, in the early 40s. And then you moved on to the early 50s, and you, you had Native Dancer, Nashua, Needles. Uh, this race then in the 60s produced uh, uh, Buck Passer. What a pleasure. And let's not forget in the early 70s, nice little horse by the name of Secretariat, and in the late 70s, Triple Crown winner affirmed. So the hopeful is back to being a grade one race, and again, rightfully so, as it should be. And uh, other ones uh, that were upgraded to grade one are the Delaware Handicap uh, that's produced uh, some great horses, Blind Luck, uh, Arve de Grasse, and Royal Delta over the last couple of years. Of course, in years past, uh, champions such as Susan's Girl, Late Bloomer, and Relaxing. So uh, two races uh, definitely restored to grade one that uh, certainly, certainly deserved it. Well, uh, we, I'm going to skip ahead right now to some some late-breaking news over in the Stallion um, world. And it comes out of Claiborne Farm. And that's the fact that leading sire Pulpit died today. Uh, he died in his paddock. Uh, he was 18 years old. Uh, everybody was shocked and, and sad, said farm manager Bradley Purcell. Uh, he's been such a really good stud. And they always kept him a very honest uh, uh, fee. He was not only a good racehorse for Claiborne, but also a great stallion. He was bred and raced. Uh, by Claiborne, didn't race at two, but three. Yeah, he got onto the national stage with just some fantastic performances. Uh, you know, the uh, Fountain of Youth, the Florida Derby, Keeneland's Bluegrass Stakes. Uh, got hurt in Derby, but uh, he went back to stud and 
certainly did pretty good uh, with uh, his first crop, the Dubai Classic winner, Essence of Dubai. He's had other grade one stakes winners like Sky Mesa, Stroll, Purge, and looks like being a sire of sires, uh, he's the sire of Tappet. Uh, who also looks like uh, he's going to maybe take up for uh, his daddy pulpit. Of course, pulpit will uh, be buried alongside the many, many racing greats at Claiborne Farm. Uh, while we're in the stud news, uh, Giopani's coming back from Australia. He's going to stand for 20000 He was bred to a full book of mares at Castleton Lions, and one of his maidens included Arches Gal Edith. You may recall that horse. She was the dam of I'll Have Another. So Giopanti is back from Australia to stay in the United States. A potentially promising stud will be leaving, and that's uh, Toby's Corner, winner of the Wood Memorial. Uh, he's going to be going to Hadaka Stallion Station in Japan. Uh, of course, he was trained by Graham Motion. He won the World Away Stakes, finished third in the Gotham, uh, and edged Arthur Tales and Uncle Mo in the wood. But he did uh, miss... Uh, the Triple Crown and the remainder of the season with an injury. Uh, he's got uh, good uh, breeding. He's uh, by Bellamy Road, half-brother to Bushmills and Taylor's Irish. Uh, Lentoner, Barbaro's full brother, is going to be going to stud to Claiborne Farm. So uh, that'll be a very interesting. It looks like uh, Claiborne getting back in the stud business. Now, he... Uh, he was it was a stakes winner. He won uh, this year's Kitten Joy Stakes at uh, Colonial Downs, and he set a course record for about a mile and a sixteenth uh, last year at Tampa Bay Downs. So uh, we'll see that. Uh, keep an eye out to see what his stud fee is going to be. And of course, uh, Eclipse Award winner Acclamation is also California Horse of the Year. He's going back to the home of his birth, Old English Rancho, uh, for a twenty thousand dollars stud fee. A very uh, uh, nice stud fee for a horse with the accomplishments that he's had uh, from his 11 wins and 30 starts. He has earnings of $1.9 million, including six grade one wins. So uh, acclamation going back to the place of his birth. Okay, we want to touch briefly on the, the races we handicapped last week uh, with Joe Nevels, and it was uh, we stated that uh, – it looked like the Ramses gave Mike Maker a uh, blank checkbook and said, go buy us some horses and win us some races, and Mike Maker did just that. As a matter of fact, uh, he recorded four victories in the Claiming Crown. Uh, that gave him the top spot of any trainer ever in the Claiming Crown, passing Scott Lake. He's now had uh, ten of his victories came for the Ramses. So uh, Mike Maker, as we predicted last week, was going to have a very good day down at Gulfstream, and he did. It was opening day at Gulfstream, and uh, they kicked it off great with the claiming crown. Again, four wins by Mike Maker. We won't go into the details of all the other ones, but it was a great day, just as we uh, uh, stated. Uh, it was going to be some good prices, and they were there. Of course, uh, we can't uh, help but mention out at Hollywood Park that uh, the switch from Rafael Bayorano to Mike Smith turned out to be a positive one for Bob Baffert. But game on, dude. He broke slow again in the native diver, but um, Smith wasn't taking any chances. He gunned game on, uh, dude, to the lead. And uh, even though he was getting some heat from Nonios, 
and Martin Pedroza, but uh, Game On Dude never looked back. He was tested the whole way. Uh, the win was the 10th and 22 starts for Game On Dude, and his fourth in his last six. And, of course, he finished that uh, disappointing seventh of 12th as the favorite in, in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, very disappointing for me. I was having a good day, and I went all in on him and didn't uh, Get my money back. That's the way it goes in racing. All right, we'll zoom through these races. We got a minute left before we catch up with Senator Thayer. Uh, Calder closed their doors briefly as they do, and they ended up with two graded stakes races on the line. The La Previo and Handicap was the first of two graded stakes. Child Bella was the favorite, but in wire to wire fashion, at almost 20 to 1, it was closing range. And this is interesting. There were two heavy, heavy favorites in there. In addition to Chow Bella, there was the European invader, Havant, who went off at odds-on. So you had two heavy favorites. And closing range paid $41 to win and only $2.60 to show, if you can believe that. That's the way it works in the show pool. And then there was the... Uh, the Tropical Turf Cup, uh, Philly Ace, a horse that loves Philadelphia, three wins at the Parks track this year, uh, got the job done. Again, this was the uh, the closing stake, and meet leading jockey Luis Saez just gave him a beautiful ride coming from off the pace and nailed the uh, heavy favorite Hollinger at the wire who led every step of the way but the step that counted. And then down to Tampa Bay Downs, it's time to kick off down there. Very popular racetrack, a lot of full fields. They had two stakes for the babies, starting with the boys. It was the inaugural. The winner was Purple Egg at 2-1. to one. Purple Egg at the time of racing was 50-1 to one in the future book out at Vegas. Now, Brave Dan, who was the odds-on favorite, uh, led – the whole way, but did get caught. He's 125 to 1 in the future book. Might be worth a call to a friend out in Vegas. And then at Tampa Bay Downs, this is the Phillies version. Again, both these races at six furlongs for two year olds. Uh, the Phillies version was Core Core, who went wire to wire, shipped in from her only start at Keeneland, where she won easily. Core Core was over Vitamena and our free-for-all. So it's going to be fun to be watching those two-year-olds as they develop. Well, that pretty much rounds out a lot of the race action and the late-breaking news that we had from Claiborne. Very sad news that we're going to lose one of the top sires in North America in pulpit. We're going to take a quick break here on Winning Ponies, and when we come back, we'll be with a gentleman I've known for many, many years who has risen to the top in politics in Kentucky, Senator Damon Thayer. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and back with me for the first time in... in well over a year of doing this show, I'm going to have a politician on the show, something I, I've never had before. And his name is Damon Thayer, Senator Damon Thayer from the Bluegrass State of Kentucky. And I have to tell you that uh, personally, I go very far back with Damon. I, I knew Damon when he's actually an, an intern at Thistledown Racetrack, I believe winning with a working with the Eclipse Award-winning writer uh, Bill Mooney at the time, who was, who was up at Thistledown. Uh, I then uh, knew Damon when uh, he worked about 12 miles from where I worked. I was at River Downs, and uh, Damon was over at Turfway Park. And then uh, he ascended into positions in the Breeders' Cup. And one thing uh, he, he always told me was, I, I said, you know, what do you like to do, you know, in your spare time and stuff? He goes, well, I, I read a lot of things about politics and political speeches, and I kind of scratch my head and say i don't can't say i know many horsemen that that's their hobby but nonetheless uh the hobby uh it turned into an avocation that turned into a vocation that turned into a full-time job form senator damon thayer how are you doing i'm doing great john and uh well you're bringing back the memories i met you when i was working at detroit race course and i came down to help bill mooney out at thistledown with the ohio derby back in the late 90s when I was a college student at Michigan State. So uh, I've known you a long time. It's great to be on your show. Well, you, the, the, the reason I bring this up, Damon, is uh, I don't know how a lot of people got to their place in, in politics in Kentucky, but you, you really did start in racing at, at a very young age. Yeah, I was 17 years old when I... Uh, started as a summer employee at Detroit Racecourse uh, about four days after I graduated high school in northern Michigan in 1985. And I worked four summers at DRC and uh, while I was at Michigan State. And then when I graduated from uh, State, I went to uh, – I moved to Cleveland. I worked two years at Thistledown uh, for the late, great Mike Mackey, my mentor who passed away this summer. And then I worked for a year and a half in Baltimore at Pimlico and then down near Washington, D.C. at Laurel. And then 20 years ago, 
uh, last month, I moved to Kentucky, and I worked at Turfway Park, uh, and then I worked at the Breeders' Cup as a member of the senior management team there through 2007. And I, I still operate my own uh, marketing and sports sports marketing consulting company uh, because Kentucky's legislature technically is a part-time legislature, and it's, it's part-time in pay and full-time in time. So I still have <laughs> I still run my own business, and I actually have a couple of clients in the thoroughbred business. I handle all the advertising for Millennium Farms, which uh, stands even the score in Giant Oak Student Council in Van Harrow. So I've I still got my hand in the business, but I. I got involved in politics in 1995. I became treasurer of my local county Republican Party, and then I became chairman of the 4th Congressional District Republican Party, 22 counties, when Jim Bunning was in Congress, helped, helped set, uh, him become Senator Bunning in 1998, and then in 99 I became vice chairman of the Kentucky Republican Party, and then I was elected to the state Senate in 2003, and then reelected in 04, 08, and then last month, and then last week I was elected Senate Majority Floor Leader, uh, and I'm the floor leader of the 24-member Kentucky uh, Republican Majority in the State Senate. We have 38 state senators, 24 Republicans, uh, and they've uh, honored me to be their floor leader when we convene for the next General Assembly in January. Well, certainly in that position, uh, you are you are a very key individual, and I've always known, or from from reading, that you look at every issue and you look at both sides of it, and you try to do it right and take the right way. Um, tell me, since your years of entering Kentucky politics, uh, what have you seen as far as the, the, the political impact on the industry? Of Kentucky. Let's face it. If you're if you're in Santa Monica, California, or or Alaska, somebody says Kentucky, and you think about thoroughbred horses, what have you seen during your long tenure? The the effect that uh, politics and some of the decisions that have been made have had on the thoroughbred industry. Well, a couple of things that I've been involved in. Uh, we've been cleaning up uh, the use of medication. In racing in Kentucky, uh, I was appointed by a Republican governor and then reappointed twice by a Democratic governor, and I'm a Republican, by the way, uh, to the Equine Drug Research Council, and we make recommendations to the Racing Commission uh, on, on medication policy, and we, we led the way in eliminating the use of uh, steroids on race day, uh, and uh, we eliminated the use of... Uh, of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory uh, on race day in Kentucky. Those both have to be administered more than 24 hours out from race day. And, I, and I'm proud of that. You know, Kentucky used to have a reputation as the wild, wild west when it came to medication. And, and I'm, I'm proud that in a bipartisan manner, Kentucky has led the way for medication reform. And we, we still lead the way. We're, we're making uh, significant reforms here. Uh, and, and uh, we, uh, we're proud of those efforts. Uh, matter of fact, just yesterday, Governor Steve Bashir reappointed me uh, to the Equine Drug Research Council. So I'm, I'm proud of that work uh, and will continue to lead the way for meaningful medication reform. One of the landmark pieces of legislation that I wrote and helped get passed back in 2005 created the Kentucky Breeders Incentive Fund. You know, Don, you look around at all the other states, and they always had breeders incentive funds to reward 
successful breeders of, of horses in those states, and Kentucky didn't have that. And we found ourselves in a, in a non-competitive, a less competitive situation. And here in Kentucky, we charge a 6% sales tax to breed a mare to a stallion. And I, I wanted to, frankly, eliminate that tax, uh, but I got a great suggestion by David Hager from Idlehour Farm to use that money to repurpose it into a breeder's incentive fund, and we passed that legislation to use that 6% to, to, to reward those who breed their horses in Kentucky, and we created a, a really uh, pioneer program that rewards Kentucky bred for winning wherever, wherever wherever they race, most state-bred programs only reward state-bred when they win in those states. Although I, I will note that uh, California and Louisiana, a couple other states, are parts of their program that reward state-bred for winning elsewhere. But as you know, John, Kentucky is the horse capital of the world. We are the leading exporter uh, of thoroughbred horses all over the world. Eighty percent of the horses that are bred in Kentucky never race here. They race all over the country and win all over the world. We created a breeders incentive program that has returned over $60 million to successful breeders. They are rewarded when their Kentucky bred win all over the country and all over the world. And it doesn't matter if that breeder lives in Alaska, California, or Delaware, but if they breed their mare to a Kentucky stallion, and put that mare in Kentucky year-round, and that foal is born here, they are then eligible to be part of the Breeders' Incentive Fund and have a chance at $10 to $12 million a year in breeder awards. And, and, of course, that incentive is created to help our economy here in Kentucky by, by making sure that people have an incentive to breed their mare to Kentucky Stallion and then to board their mares here on a year-round basis because then the offspring whether they race them or not. And, and many breeders don't breed to race. They breed to sell in the commercial market. So even if they sell that horse at Keeneland or Fabian Kipton or through private sale, if they are the breeder and they win certain categories of races around the country and around the world, they are eligible for those breeders' incentive payments that are paid the following spring. So that's, that's something that I'm very proud of that, that, I've, that I was able to do early in my legislative career. Well, you know, I'm sitting here earlier, you know, looking at the reports. You know, let's face it, there's the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the corner. I'm looking at what's happening in New York and the fact that their net income in the third quarter last year was up 142%, $24.8 million, and the horsemen are getting a very fair share of that amount. I'm sure you've seen the purse structure uh, swell in New York. And in doing so, sad to say, we are seeing a lot of good Kentucky horses, horsemen, and every week I read a stallion roster of, of good studs that normally would have probably retired in Kentucky that are going to go on to New York. Um, obviously, we don't know how long it's, the success is going to last, but their uh, ability to have alternative gaming, and as you know, Ohio is you know sitting on that precipice too, uh, where do you stand? Where does Kentucky stand on the uh, case of alternative gaming? Okay, well, well, well said and well put, and a, and a very germane question. There is no doubt that Kentucky's horse industry is at a distinct disadvantage when it comes to the competitive environment with surrounding states. New York, um, 
Maryland now, Delaware, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Indiana, and soon Ohio, and many other states. But I want to talk about the ones that I think are having a direct effect on Kentucky. These states subsidize race purses and breeders' incentives with casino proceeds. And we don't, we don't have expanded gambling in Kentucky, so we're at a tremendous disadvantage. The other thing is you have to remember, Kentucky is a relatively small state, 4.3 million people. We have eight electoral votes, uh, six members of, of Congress, two U.S. senators, total of eight electoral votes. We're, pretty, we're a small state. We don't have the big cities like they do in Pennsylvania uh, and even bigger cities in New York uh, that, that support our racetrack uh, through paramutual wagering and now through casino gambling. So that's a, that's a competitive disadvantage. Uh, we, we have a lot of advantages. This is the best place in the country to raise and breed. Absolutely. Um, we also have a very strong tradition uh, and uh, a strong racing circuit, not as strong as it used to be, strong year-round circuit, but we do have Churchill Downs, home of the Kentucky Derby, multiple Breeders' Cup hosts. We have Keeneland and Lexington, uh, one of the most beautiful racetracks uh, in, in North America. They're still strong, although uh, I will note that the level horses uh, do go to race in surrounding states against weaker competition, but for higher purses. So that's the, that's the competitive environment. Now, uh, I'm not a big proponent of casino gambling. Uh, I'm a horse racing guy. I, I'm a, I've been a horse racing guy since I was I fell in love with Spectacular Bid when I was 1979. I'd still put him up against any of the great horses of all time going a mile and a quarter at equal weights. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, I, I have always been in favor in Kentucky of a constitutional amendment to let the people of Kentucky vote like they did in Ohio on whether or not they want expanded gambling in Kentucky. That's my position, my, my personal position. And I've won uh, four elections with that position by widening margins. I'm a Republican in a democratically registered district, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, last year, uh, I crossed party lines and worked with Governor Steve Scheer uh, and offered a bill that I sponsored to let the people vote on that issue. Uh, Eighty-some percent of people in Kentucky want an opportunity to vote on the issue. Whether they are for or against gaming, they want to vote on it. Uh, I was able to get the bill out of the committee that I chaired at the time, state and local government, and we took it to a full floor vote where we were unsuccessful. Uh, there's no sense crying over spilt milk. Uh, there was a parliamentary procedure at the time that did not work to the advantage of the bill. Um, where it stands today, I don't know. Uh, I still think the people of Kentucky want to vote on it. But in Kentucky, we are not a state like California or New York or California or Ohio where you can put referenda on the statewide ballot signature. Okay, we don't have petitions in, in Kentucky that if you get enough signatures, it goes on the ballot. In order for it to go on the ballot, uh, it has to receive a three-fifth supermajority vote in the House and the Senate in order to go on the ballot. It only go on the ballot in even-numbered years. So the next time it can go on the ballot is 2014. So we tried really? to put it on the ballot for 2014. That effort failed. So uh, in order to go on the ballot in 2014, it would have to be passed by the General Assembly either in 13 or 14, with 60 votes out of 100 
in the House and 23 votes out of 38 in the Senate. The Founding Fathers made it a very big hurdle to put items on the ballot to change the Constitution. And that's the way it should be. To change the Constitution is a significant step. And it, it, it should be a big mountain to climb. I don't know where the issue is going. Uh, I, uh, I know that the district still favors it, and I, I still favor it myself, but I don't know where my caucus is on it. Uh, we have six or seven new members in the state Senate, um, uh, all but one of them Republicans, and you know we'll gather and discuss the issues later this next week, as a matter of fact. Um, so I, I don't know where it's going, to be honest with you. It's very early in the legislative process. We only have a 30-day legislative session in 2013 with some other big issues looming like pension reform, potentially redistricting. Um, we've got Medicaid issues to deal with, tax reform. And, you know, I don't, I don't know whether, whether or not we're going to be able to move the issue forward next year or not. Well, I just wanted to get get your feel on it, Damon, and, and I appreciate you educating all of our listeners here on Winning Ponies. And I did want to let them know that you are a man that, that has a, a good background in racing. Uh, you didn't just step into the arena and uh, start reading about it a couple years ago. Uh, that you've got you got a good pedigree going all the way back uh, uh, to your to your days in Michigan. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best in your new position here in Kentucky. Thanks for the opportunity to be on uh, Winning Ponies. And uh, anytime you want me on, John, just call or text me, and, and, and I'll be happy to discuss any of the issues of the day. Uh, we recognize the importance of the horse industry in Kentucky, and I'm hopeful that the day will come when we can put us on an even uh, playing field with our surrounding states. All right. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Senator Damon Fair, who's uh, keeping us up to date on what the uh, landscape is in Kentucky and, and how the process goes to see if uh, alternative gaming uh, will be accepted by the people of the bluegrass. With that said, we're going to take a quick break here. and we come back, we're going to be with the Daily Racing Forum's John McDoolin, breaking down some of the best races in the country. flagship station for sports voice america sports every wednesday you'll want to talk sports with touchdown tony collins and his co-host bill mattis tony's broken records and has been to the pro bowl and the super bowl we'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news action and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune in to Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite handicappers, a man I can call a good friend, and a person I hope is, uh, is, is on the mend very well right now. Like I said earlier in the day, uh, he's got, got a little time on his hands. Uh, he had a little hitch in his get-along. His name is John McDoolin, a writer for the Daily Racing Forum, who uh, ha- had a little bit of surgery. John, how you doing, my friend? I'm getting there, John. It's, it's coming along. Had a couple it's- surgeries, actually, but it, yeah, it's getting there. It's getting it. no, no life threatening. I want everybody to know, you know. Nothing life threatening, no. Yeah, just a little bit of a hitch in your get along, as we like to say. Yeah, I, I had a hip replacement, and then uh, everything was going well, and then my uh, my femur shattered. The top six or eight inches, of my femur shattered in like six or eight times, and uh, but it's coming along. And I, I also want to. Uh, let our people know that uh, you, you're one of Ohio's top sires. Congratulations. I understand uh, your son, Andrew, got several uh, season-ending awards for his football prowess. He sure did. He was uh, all-state, all-district, um, defensive player of the year for his league, so he, he did very well. He worked hard and uh, reaped the uh, rewards, so that's that's great. Well, maybe he'll uh, save some money for his hard-working daddy as far as uh, college uh, money's concerned. That would be great. Yeah, we're, we're looking at a bunch of schools, hopefully uh, scholarships in his future, and that'll have a little more money to play the ponies. Well, uh, like I said, you probably had some time on your hands. I'm guessing you, you've been uh, going across the, uh, the great traverse uh, that we call the Internet, trying to stay on top of racing news uh, uh, for, uh, for want of something to do. What, what stories have jumped off uh, the Internet to you that have kind of uh, piqued your interest in the days of late? Uh, you know the the, the uh, Hawthorne thing with the the, the herpes again. I, I don't understand how. He, I mean, it just you know Beulah had that a few years ago, and 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 it's just uh, it's one of those things. It seems like by now they they find a vaccine or something to eradicate that. I noticed uh, today or uh, the last couple of days, Fairgrounds said no no horses from Hawthorne that were at the Hawthorne meet at all would be allowed down there. And uh, that's just one of those things where, I mean, it's been years and years that that keeps coming up. Well, not years and years, the last five or six years, I guess. And, um, you know, they had an Indiana really bad and then a Beulah and, 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 you know, and Hawthorne. I mean, it happens at all kinds of places. And it just seems like one of those things that by now somebody would have figured out a, 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 a correction for it. Well, one thing that that's I've been watching in the news, and there's a stallion I wanted to mention. I got into the stud news, and things just happened so quick here tonight. Was the fact that you know it looks like uh, we're exporting so many horses. You know, I'll have another in Toby's corner, and now is uh, there's some late breaking news that Frankel's three quarter brother Bullet Train is uh, going to come in here and stand for only 7,500 at Winter Green Stallion Station, and uh, this is the horse that. Uh, was the, was the rabbit for Frankel 
And but he still he was a stakes winner himself. And I'm thinking, man, you know, Frankel's going to stand for about two hundred thousand. You can get right. this horse for seventy five hundred. Uh, what, what do you make of uh, you know horses like Bullet Train or whatever? You know, the horse, the, uh, the fact that Giopani's coming back, uh, the, the whole. Uh, international shuttle of stallions and, and the, the many, many stallions that are moving to New York right now. It's kind of really mixed the bag up. Yeah, I mean, they're just going where the money is. I mean, that, and, you know, with horse racing, that's that's always been the way it has been, is uh, they're going where the money is. And so, and I also lo- noticed uh, Pulpit died today. I don't know if you, that was late Yes, we did address that, yes. Yeah, um, Pulpit died today. But, yeah, I mean, they're just going where the money is, and, and, and that's what's going on. And, uh and you know, I, you said the, the horse is, is standing for seventy five hundred. Well, it's uh, it's kind of like Pete Rose said: uh, breeding doesn't have anything to do with it. If if that anything, his brother couldn't hit a baseball to save his life. So um, you know, it's just one of those things where it, it's a hit or miss deal. Um, well, the thing is, this horse was a you know a, a group a group winner. And uh, a son of Sadler's Wells, who is the son of Galileo, who, of course, is the sire of Frankel. I think it's kind of exciting to bring. To tr- it seems like we've been exporting so much good blood. I think it's kind of nice to see that a horse like Bullet Train is coming over here and at a level where a lot of breeders will be able to get to him. Yeah, that, that is great. It's uh, I've been saying that for years, and you know, people kept keep asking why haven't there been any Triple Crown winners? Well, for so long, uh, all, all the guys with all the money, the shakes, and uh, and Sangster and all those guys have been buying all the horses and taking them overseas, and that's, it's nice to see that now there's some of them are starting to come back. Well, listen, hopefully at the end of this uh, segment we'll have a chance to talk some more horses, but uh, I don't want to let the handicapping segment get away, especially when I have an expert like you on the phone. And I want to start off with the, the Hollywood uh, Starlet. Uh, this race has uh, uh, produced some really uh, nice horses over the years. Um, the... Uh, it's it is it's a race for a two-year-old fillies going a mile and a sixteenth. And when, and when you bring up the Hollywood Starlet, I mean, you're, you're talking about horses like Althea, Outstandingly, uh, Cara Raffaella. How about Serena's Song? I mean, that's a pretty nice roster of horses that have come out of this race. And uh, sitting there as the one that you're going to have to knock off, I think, without a doubt, is uh, the Philly executive privilege, who some in the industry are saying, John, you know, considering this horse has only lost one race, and that was the Breeders' Cup uh, grade one Philly, she wins this race, she could be considered horse of the year. You know, that that's uh, what they're saying. Um, she's won five out of six, and the, and the Breeders' Cup uh, Philly, she, the, the, she couldn't even have Lasix on that. You know, she's going back, uh, has Lasix this time, blinkers on for the first time, changes right. jockey from Bejarano to Mike Smith, which obviously that's not a, I mean, you know, it's not like you're going from a really crummy jockey to a better one, but a lot of times a different jockey, uh, you know, has a better uh, perspective on things. And I just think Baffert's mad at Raphael for the game on dude race. Yeah, you're probably right. That's, that's probably got a lot to do with it. Um, but, the, you know, the two of them, Smith and uh, Baffert, they, you know, last couple of years, 30% uh, winning, which is what Baffert's percentage is now, I think. But, you know, Mike Smith's percentage is not nearly that high. So, um, that, yeah, I don't think they can beat her. And I hate betting chalk, but that, I think you got to use a couple other horses underneath her, um, you know, bet exact is to make, maybe make some money because she's 6-5 to five in the morning line. I, I think she's going to be less than that. Um, 
and I'm going to use the one pure fun who won big time for Ken McPeak. This is one of those horses he, he bought it for twenty two thousand at the sale um, last year at the Keeneland sale as a yearling. And uh, that guy, if you give him between twenty and forty thousand, seems like he can find you a runner. And you, Ken, yes, he can. Kenny's a sharp guy. Yeah, he is. Um, I'm going to use uh, pure fun underneath, and then blonde fog, the other Baffert horse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wins by 12 and a half, first time out. Under wrap. He does been working like uh, that worked two back. Uh, two out of 68, a two-year-old filly, has the second best work at Santa Anita out of 68 that worked that day. That that kind of tells you something. Absolutely, and I think you can round out your try with uh, Midnight Ballet, Tom Proctor, who's done well on the West Coast. Uh, this horse won the Sharp Cat, which is essentially uh, the the prep for the for the Starlet. And uh, Julian Leperu, who's moved his track out, tack out to that track, uh, will be uh, getting aboard. Another horse that came out with a nice solid workout going in there. But without a doubt, if you're playing pick threes, pick fours, pick sixes, whatever, I think executive privilege better be your uh, key horse. I would certainly think so. All right, now we go on to Hollywood Park to the Bayacoa Handicap. Uh, it's a it's a grade two going a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, this one's I think is going to give us a, a little bit more of a of a of a handicapping challenge as far as talent being close to one another, but yet again uh, not a very deep field in numbers. Yeah, I, I agree. There's only eight in there, but you know the horse I I think is, is uh, Inglorious, the favorite in the race. I I don't like that horse at all, which is usually makes for a good betting opportunity. All five of her uh, wins. Have been uh, uh, on the synthetic surface, which Betfair um, uh, is, but she just—I I don't know. I just—I've—it's one of those horses where I, I just—I I, don't—I charm the maker is the horse I like in here, the six horse. Um, she's a three-year-old. Uh, Inglorious is a four-year-old. Um, charm the maker is a three-year-old. Um, she won at, at Hollywood last year. She won the Sharp Cat. Um, she ran third in the Oakley, beating a length. Um, she ran a buyer of 84 in that race, and and it's been my. I, it's one of the things I've I've really used this angle and made a lot of money with it. Um, she ran an 84 buyer. Usually, when in their three-year-old year, from a two-year-old to three-year-old, they they can improve. They'll improve 10 points from. And so she runs a 94 buyer. I I really like this horse. She's three to one on the morning line. Garrett Gomez, Ron McAnally. Um, I, that's one of my best bets of the day for there. John, I can't believe it. I swear you've got you've got a TV camera in my office here. Uh, Inglorious. Uh, I first of all I didn't know it was favored, uh, but uh, the the thing is, yes, she's a millionaire. But she's a Canadian bred millionaire. Right. She made all of her money, and not all, but the chunk of it up at Woodbine. Right. Running against some very good horses in some very good races, but I also I question the long layoff, and then I go to this horse by the name of Charm the Maker. Um, I love the fact that Ron McAnally has reunited her with Garrett Gomez, and she has just missed in, in two stakes races, uh, lightly raced this year, has not won this year, which I think is another reason why you're probably going to get a solid 3-1 to one on her. I do. I, I like Charm the Maker, and I think the other kind of scary horse in here is Willoughby Awesome, uh, who has tactical speed, uh, likes that track, and likes the distance. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to also use uh, I'm going to use Charm the Maker with Lady of Fifty, um, the three horse. Um, she's another horse that last year, um, you know, I think her top buyer was a, an eighty at um, 
Golden Gate or 81 at Golden Gate. Um, won the uh, California Oaks at, at Golden Gate. Um, all three of her races this year were at Santa Anita. She hasn't run on the synthetic. I think uh, out of her five wins, three of them have been on the synthetic out of ten races. And uh, I'm going to use the two of those in an exacto and see what uh, see what happens. All right. Well, let's see what happens down at the fairgrounds. Last week, we had fun with the claiming crown. Uh, it was gr- a great betting card, and I knew Mike Maker was going to have a huge day. Didn't know he was going to win four of them. But uh, nonetheless, this is one of those things where you get to compare apples to apples, and it's when you have a state program. It's the Louisiana Champion Day. These are all Louisiana breads. The one thing that's different about this year over the last five is the fact that Star Guitar, who is the Secretariat of Louisiana, <laughs> won't be in one of the divisions to dominate. That horse was just unbelievable. They finally retired him to stud. And so that brings us a lot of these uh, nice Louisiana brads. We're, we're playing the, the turf race. Hopefully the weather's good down there at a mile and a 16th, hundred grand up for uh, grabs. But you see these horses and you look at the bold type in your daily racing form and you you just see the fact that uh, that String King and Sadie Soldier and uh, Kissy Me Kyle uh, have had a lot of fun beating each other over the season. Exactly, and, and as it turns out, you must have been uh, looking at my over my shoulder on this one, or had a camera here, because I, I don't think they can possibly beat String King. It's one of those deals. I hate uh, favorites, but I, I, String King James Graham. Uh, was on the horse last time, won easy, um, and I'm going to put the other two, Kissimmee Kyle and Sadie Soldier, underneath them. Um, and I've, I've always, it's the weirdest, uh, for some reason, I don't think I've ever failed to make money on at fairgrounds on Louisiana Champions Day, which is, like, you know, I, I don't bet there a lot. I You know, I, I, I keep an eye on it, but for some reason, even the quarter horses there, I, I've always seemed to do well and... Uh, that's one day I look forward to, as weird as it sounds, somebody in Ohio uh, looking forward to Louisiana Champions Day at Fairgrounds, but um, that, it's just one of those things. I'm going to put String King on top of Sadie Soldier and Kissimmee Kyle and uh, hope to make some money. Well, uh, and what's interesting, too, John, is it could be deja vu all over again because last year String King, by a nose, finished over Kissimmee Kyle in this race. Now, both of them are going to be uh, picking up weight, but both of them are older horses this year, and I think they're going to handle it. It's going to be a fun, fun race to watch, no doubt about it. Yeah, now I, we I go down to a race that I think has another single standout in here, uh, but it's one of the few graded races we have over the weekend. Six furlong, grade three at Gulfstream Park, the Sugar Swirl, and is there anybody in here that can beat Dustin Diamonds? I think there is, John. Oh, whoa, I like to hear that. Okay. By the name of Sacristy. Uh, the two horses in here, and going back to the angle I was telling you about, um, last year she broke her maiden at Churchill Downs as a two-year-old with a buyer figure of 85. She should, um, she's not been out since October. She uh, ran on a, a synthetic surface a couple times. She won one, ran second, um, but I'm really, it looks like they got her back in shape. She's doing great. The last couple of works have been awesome. Had a um, 4 out of 23 and a 2 out of 26 at uh, Gulfstream. Uh, Lescano and Catalano, um, 25% this year, um, which is higher than both of theirs. So he's kind of their go-to rider. Um, 
you know, I just I, I think uh, Pletcher, you know, Dustin Diamond goes from Asmussen to Pletcher, which you cer- certainly can't think that's a step down. Um, <clears throat> and I, I just I, I think it's a perfect spot for him. I'm going to go with the two sacristy in there. Wow, geez, that's uh, very interesting. Well, the horses had some uh, some time off in, in between some of its races. I, I do respect uh, Wayne Catalano, and it is a uh, a daughter of pulpit. So people are going to be thinking, who knows? You know, might uh, win one for Daddy. But I, I just think uh, Dustin Diamonds has had a sensational season. Uh, five uh, well intended starts. Uh, at, at going from Oak Lawn to Delaware to Belmont to Santa Anita, Asmussen did one hell of a job. And in those races I just mentioned, the only horse that beat Dustin Diamonds was Groupie Doll, who I, I think is one of the best of her generation. Yeah, she certainly is. She uh, she won big up at uh, Prescott Isle and then has won a couple since then. You know, she's uh, she's something else. But you know, they changed. Uh, Jockeys, they changed trainers. Uh, you know, yeah, I, they changed the Todd Fletcher and John Velasquez. <laughs> well, I know. I'm not complaining. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I am not at all. You know, like I said, you know, is, is Asmussen to Fletcher a downgrade? Is Lake Peru to Velasquez? I mean, neither one of them. I'm just saying, it's it's one of those times where uh, she won four out of seven at the distance. But I, I, I think um, I'm going to go with a three year old. A horse, hopefully, on the improved sacristy. All right. Well, that's the great thing about this game is two handicappers get a chance to state their case and and, and agree to to disagree. Well, uh, uh, my 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 producer Super D hasn't told me I'm I'm I've got to get out of the game yet. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Going back, you know, mentioning uh, executive privilege as we did, and of course, Groupie Doll had she won the Cigar Mile, probably would have been strongly considered for Horse a Year. You've got Little Mike, who I think's maybe being overlooked because he's Little Mike. <laughs> but yeah. uh, who, who are you looking at on the? Uh, if, if you had a vote for Horse of the Year, I mean, uh, are you feeling strong anywhere or the other? I'd have to make a strong case for Groupie Doll. I mean, she's done everything they've asked of her. Um, and I'm a little biased. She she uh, won the uh, the the race at Presque Isle, the uh, uh, Masters. Let's slip my mind for a second. She won the Masters up there. And she, I mean, she's just been she's been awfully impressive. Um, and I I'm thinking uh, uh, my vote will go to her this year. What do you think? Well, I'm kind of torn. Um... Yeah, I think Wise Dan, you know, has done everything asked of him this year. He's done it at tracks all over the country, at several different distances. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on uh, on on several different surfaces, uh, and he, he he's just been so tough. And uh, you know, I know he doesn't get the glitter and everything, but. Uh, you know, I, I I can't go with I'll have another because of his early exit. Um, you know, and so I'm I'm kind of, kind of looking to Wise Dan. I guess would uh, would be the hat that I throw in the ring. Right. It, it's I mean it's one of those years where I don't I don't think there's one standout where you know in years past there's always a horse that you know there's no Zenyatta there's there's no horse that uh, you know is just an obvious. It's going to be the voting will be fun this year I think. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and there were so many horses going into the Breeders' Cup, like, you know, had Game on Dude won, you know, I think, right. you know, he was a slam dunk, and, uh, you know, you you can't dismiss Royal Delta on her record. Yeah, yeah, that's another one that, you know, I, I just, it's it's going to be really tough this year. It's going to take a lot of, uh, the, the ballots should be coming out pretty soon. I haven't gotten mine yet. I need to check with... Uh, with Equibase and find out. Uh, usually they send an email saying uh, they're on the way. Make sure when you let us know, but or let us know when they're there. But um, are there any huge races? I guess maybe the Starlet. That, that's what they're waiting for this weekend. Um, I can't think. Of I, I would think because if Executive Privilege wins, I mean, you know, seriously, when is the last time you recall a horse, uh, specifically a two-year-old, winning five? Stakes races. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's, it's at the be, highest it's, level now. You know, not in the state bred program. Right. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good year for voting. It's going to take. And luckily, I've got plenty of time on my hands because I'm just. <laughs> every time well, John, anybody goes, all I can do. Right I, I know you do. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing you back in person again soon. Uh, but uh, I hope you heal well, and I really appreciate you spending the time with us tonight on Winning Ponies. Anytime, John. I, I I always enjoy it. Well, I, I always enjoy talking to you, and I always enjoy listening to your introspective selections. Uh, you open my eyes, and sometimes you open my wallet when I get to the track this week. So <laughs> best of luck to both of us. Thanks a lot. All right, that's John McDoolan from the Daily Racing Forum. I also uh, want to thank... Uh, Senator Damon Thayer for coming on with us. Uh, sometimes that that can be a gamble in, in its own right, but it was good to hear uh, his opinion on, on what's going on in Kentucky and how long it may take to actually make a decision as to which way Kentucky's going to end up going. So uh, for for everybody involved with Winning Ponies, I want to remind you they've got some uh, great betting insight themselves. So log on to winningponies.com and pull yourself down. A slew of winners. So for my producer, D, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.